It's Talk and Golf with Ann Lagori on the fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Well, good morning and welcome to Talking Golf with Ann Lagori on this Sunday morning, August 28th. How are we doing this morning? Talking Golf with Anne is brought to you by Ivy Cool Luxury Athleisure Apparel for men and women featuring the exclusive Icefill cooling technology along with SPF 50 plus sun protection. Visit IBKUL.com to learn more. Well, how's it going on this uh, Sunday morning, late August already? Jeez, U.S. Tennis Championship starts tomorrow. Serena Williams could be her last hurrah. She plays tomorrow night, but uh, lots to talk about, as always in this hour, from the PGA Tour Championship, final round this afternoon. They have to resume the third round this morning. New changes the PGA Tour is implementing coming next year, the partnership between Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy and the PGA Tour, a new company they formed called TMRW Sports, Tomorrow Sports. And uh, the latest, have you heard this one? Tiger and Rory being subpoenaed by Live Golf. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. The animosity and the drama thickens between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. But we will try to get to it all this morning in one hour. Bob Herrick, veteran golf writer, he's covering the Tour Championship. He is on top of the most recent PJ Tour changes, big announcement this past Wednesday at the Jay Monahan press conference. Bob will join us at about 7.20 this morning. But, um, you know, those changes that the PJ Tour has orchestrated will increase prize money and the number of tournaments that the top players will be required to play in so that the top players face each other more often in a lot more tournaments. So I think that's a good thing. And, of course, more prize money, which is always great for these guys. Uh, At 7.40, really excited to have uh, Dottie Pepper joining us. Dottie Pepper of CBS Sports fame and covering golf, on-course reporter, former player, author. We'll get her take on a variety of news items in the game, and we'll talk about her new book as well. And uh, lots going on as we wind down our Talking Golf season. We have this show and then next week's show. And then WFAN gets into their NFL programming on Sundays. But I'm really excited to say that Talking Golf will be back again next season. And uh, we'll start the first Sunday in April where I will host a show live from Augusta National as uh, Masters Week begins. So it's all good. It's really been an incredible talking golf season and uh, getting really great feedback from many of you. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate your tuning in and listening to Talking Golf. So next Sunday will be uh, the final Talking Golf of the season. Then we'll resume in April. And uh, I have to be honest, I'm getting weary of all this PJ Tour versus Live Golf <laughs> ugliness going on. I mean... It really takes away from the news and the stories that we should be talking about in golf. You know, it seems as if daily there is more news coming out from one side or the other or both. 
And this past Friday, the lawyer for Live Golf, Larry Clayman, served subpoenas to Tiger Woods, Roy McIlroy, and PJ Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, according to reports, trying to get them to court to testify about uh, that players-only meeting that took place at the BMW Championship. Now, Live Golf is saying that the meeting is in quotes anti-competitive, violates the antitrust laws, and that the changes that the PJ Tour announced last Wednesday are an attempt to, in quotes, emulate Live Golf while continuing to allegedly harm Live and its players by working to deny them world ranking points to compete in major tournaments, end of quotes. And so <laughs> we're getting this scenario just continues to get more and more ugly. And uh, according to reports, Tiger, Rory, and Jay Monahan are all given notice to appear in court at various times in the month of September. And Clayman uh, also said that the subpoenas are not, in quote, a personal thing against Woods, McElroy, and Monahan. It's about getting information about what occurred at the players' meeting and generally with regard to allegations in our complaint that the PJ Tour, the, the DP World Tour, and their commissioners – Jay Monahan and Keith Pelley, are allegedly a colluding in restraint of trade and the antitrust laws to harm the Live Golf Tour and its players, end quote. So at the Tour Championship on Wednesday, uh, Jay Monahan announced a huge list of changes, and all these changes geared to keeping the top players from jumping ship. Prize money has increased at what are be, being called elevated events, Top 20 players playing in at least um, 20 events, including the 12 elevated tournaments. They had the player impact program expanding to include 20 players from the original 10, paying out $100 million overall, with $15 million going to the winner. And again, all these uh, fast and furious attempts to try to please the players and keep them from bolting. Um. In the past, players were required to play in a minimum of 15 events. Well, the 20 events, I am told, include the four majors and the players' championship. So I would think it's pretty much the same thing. But either way, I like the fact that we'll be seeing the top players competing against each other more often and that we'll know when and where the top players will be competing. I mean, Rory McIlroy gave an example at his press conference last Wednesday. He talked about the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, he said that when he tunes in to watch Tampa Bay, he expects to see Tom Brady. So I guess making it mandatory for the top players to play in more events can only enhance the experience for fans and the TV audience. Now, I'm not sure why they're using the player impact program to determine the top players and not player rankings. Uh, you know, the player impact program is based on popularity, mostly on social media and Internet searches. And last year, Tiger won it. He earned $8 million, and he hardly played, as you know. Phil came in second, made $6 million in that player impact program. Um, you know, they're obviously defining top players more by their popularity than their playing abilities. So we can talk to Bob about that. And then the other issue with the, the new announcement is that if the top players have to play in these so-called elevated events, you know, what about the other tournaments? You know, what about the tournaments like the Honda or the Valspar, which, uh, 
You know, they're apparently on the schedule surrounded by tournaments that are must-plays. And will they be able to get the top players to commit to play in those tournaments? So lots to uh, kind of discuss with uh, the PJ Tour's new plans. And uh, it will be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, another interesting story that came out this past week, Tiger and Rory creating that TMRW Sports, joining uh, former Golf Channel president Mike McCarley in creating a, a company that's based on technology that will venture into progressive approaches to sports, media, and entertainment, as they defined it. And they announced, Tiger and Rory, the creation of TGL, a partnership with the PJ Tour that will feature primetime matches from a custom-built venue beginning in January of 2024. Apparently, it's a league that will have six teams with three PJ Tour players competing in two-hour competitions. And they're scheduling 15 Monday night matches. So I don't know how they're going to compete against Monday Night Football or what channel it's going to be on, but... Clearly, uh, Tiger is staying very much involved in all aspects of the game as his playing days uh, have been dwindling. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see him playing a major here and there, but um, he's getting involved in all this other stuff. All right, the Tour Championship, where the top 30 who qualified started on Thursday, actually the top 29 because Will Zalatoris injured his back and had to pull out. Couldn't even start the tour championship. But Weather suspended the third round yesterday with Scotty Scheffler still in the lead, but barely. Scheffler is 19 under. He's at even par through 12 holes. Um, you have to resume this morning. Xander Shoffley is one shot back through 12. Sung J.M. is three shots behind. Roy McRoy, he's at 15 under. He's four shots back. He's five under through 16 holes. Roy having a great round. And Justin Thomas at 14 under is five shots back. And um, Sepp Straka, John Rahm, they joined JT at 14 under with more holes to play to finish up this morning before they can start the final round. So Scheffler started the tournament on Thursday at 10 under with a two-shot lead. And he shot a 65 and 66 on Thursday and Friday. But his seven-shot lead midway through his second round, just when you think he was going to run away with it, was cut to a two-shot lead over Xander starting Saturday's round. And he'll resume his third round only one shot ahead. And they resume this morning at 9.45. And then the final round will begin as scheduled at about 11.16 this morning. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama carded the low round of the day at 63. He's six shots back. And if Scotty Scheffler indeed wins the FedEx Cup, he will break the record for most money earned in a single PGA Tour season at 37 mil. So more to come as they have a lot of golf yet to uh, get in today. Uh, you have the U.S. Senior Women's Open at NCR Country Club in Kettering, Ohio. And all three of the past champions are in contention. Laura Davies and Helen Alfredson, they're tied for the lead at four under. Laura Davies posted a bogey-free, listen to this, five under 68. Coming from seven shots back, what a round for Laura Davies. She is 58 years old. She actually won the first U.S. Senior Women's Open in 2018. Alfredson shot a 75. 
Uh, she won the second U.S. Senior Women's Open in 2019. But uh, watch out, Annika Sorenstam, and I love watching these women play, these senior women. She is only one shot behind Annika. You know, she ran away with it last year. So she is the defending champion. She rallied from six shots back to shoot even par. She had five bogeys and five birdies yesterday. She is only one shot back. So is Jill McGill and Letta Lindley. Uh, Laura Davis is kind of limping out there. She injured her right Achilles a few weeks back, but she said she had acupuncture on it yesterday morning before she played, and it has obviously helped her. So uh, we'll see who pulls it out today. Julie Ingster is five shots back. The final round begins at 8.55 Eastern time this morning, and you can watch it on Peacock. They'll be streaming it live from 2.30 to 5.30. And at the CP Women's Open, rookies Hai Jin Choi and Niran An are tied for the lead at 16 under, one shot ahead of Paula Rito. Sarah Schmetzel and Nally Korda are two shots back. If Korda wins, she's projected to move back to number one in the world rankings. So Nally Korda making a very good comeback. Um, You know, she was sidelined for four months because she had a blood clot in her left arm that she got in um, the end of January. And it's good to see Nellie Korda coming back and playing so well. All right, coming up, we're going to talk to veteran golf writer Bob Herrig, who's a regular contributor to SI Golf Morning Read. We'll get his take on all these massive changes that the PGA Tour is had announced this past Wednesday. But first, let me tell you that IB Cool Luxury Athleisure Wear for both men and women offers the highest performance-driven apparel to look and feel your best on and off the course. IB Cool offers multifunctional, intelligent, the exclusive moisture sensor fabric featuring the ice fill technology that cools your body so you can stay comfortable and odor-free on hot and humid days. IB Cool. It's IBKUL.com. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. It's Talkin' Golf with Anne Liguori on The Fan. Welcome back to Talking Golf. How are we doing this morning? Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm delighted to say hello to veteran golf writer Bob Herrig of Sports Illustrated Golf Morning Read. Bob has been in Atlanta, Georgia all week covering the Tour Championship and all the news coming from uh, that uh, tournament. Good morning, Bob. Welcome to Talking Golf. Hi, Ann. Thank you. Good morning. How's it going? It's going well, thanks. You're right. It's been a busy time, continues to be. And I figure it's <laughs> it's not going to slow down much uh, going forward, even though the, the tour season is ending 
today, but uh, I, I think there's going to be plenty coming. Oh, unbelievable. Lots going on off the uh, course, mostly. That's where the news is. And uh, this past week, and really since all this live golf stuff happened, the PJ Tour has been moving, well, somewhat fast and furious to come up with uh, changes that they hope will keep PJ Tour players from bolting, right? What's your overall impression about all the changes that were announced this past Wednesday? Yeah, it was um, it was pretty pretty impressive, really. What what they came up with in a short amount of time, um, you know, I think that's the first takeaway. Um, the tour usually moves a lot slower than that, it, and it's just it's no knock, really. It's just the way they're structured, you know that. You don't just have an idea and snap your fingers and put it in play. Uh, you know, there's a lot of levels to go through, and uh, but they they pretty much did snap their fingers. I mean, a lot of these ideas probably came together within a week to ten days. Wow! And uh, you know, Jay got in front of the Jay Monahan, the commissioner, got in front of us, and and I'll also sent a memo to the players and. You know, and outlined outlined this new plan going forward. That that you know, he admitted there's a lot of details still to be worked out. They decided to get it out there without all the details being worked out, which typically they wouldn't do. They would like to usually yeah. have it all buttoned up, yeah, and, and it point. still leaves yeah, it leaves some questions still. But you know, the gist of it is, is I, I think it's it's impressive. I mean, um, and and yet there's going to be a big monumental change. Um, to, to at least for the, t- for the top 20 players or so, which is you used to have, it, it's been forever. You play fit. Yeah. You got to play 15 events to be a PGA tour member and you can play whatever 15 you wanted. Now you're going to have to play 20 and 17 are predetermined. You know, in other words, right. you don't have a choice. You got to play these 17. Now, most of them would play them anyway, but nonetheless, those are, that's what you have to play, and and that's big. That's a big difference. You, you've increased the minimum, uh, at least for you know a couple dozen guys, and uh, you're telling them where they have to go, which is which is a lot different. But but yet this is something they probably needed to do to try to um, stem the tide of guys going over to live, and and it still won't completely stop it. It's, uh, but it's, it's probably, I think, best for the game. Uh, we're we're going to see the top players on the PJ Tour together more often. And, and I that's think that's what thing. people are wanting. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. And I think that the top players want that as well. And they're, they're calling 12 of these events elevated events. And I'm curious, approximately, how much more money overall does that mean that the PJ Tour? Will be spending on prize money. Did I, I? I don't. I didn't hear like a total figure. Did you figure it out? Like how much? What the increase will be for these? Yeah. Players? Well, listen. In 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 uh, in June, when Jay Monahan announced the eight elevated events for next year, um, that was already an increase of fifty four million. Right. So just just those eight tournaments. Now he added in four more elevated events that we don't know what they are yet but roughly if you figure that the purses are around eight million dollars now they're going to go to 20 that's another 12 million per another 48 million so that puts you a little over 100 million right there they've increased and, the pip from 50 million to 100 right. million so 
So there's right. another 50 million. So now you're over 150 million. Um, and typically, the the purses of events are contractually set to rise a little bit. So, you know, if you're 7.6, you might go to eight. If you're 8.5, you might go to nine. So yeah, you could probably easily surmise there's going to be an, an increase of another $10 million in purses across the board of all the other events, maybe even more. So now you're pushing $180 million, uh, increase from one year to the next. Right. It's and a lot. It, I mean, it's a lot for, you know, as you say, if, if this is all going to start, when, next year or 2024? 2023. Right, yeah. so next year. So how, where's the money coming from? That was a question that was put to Jay. <laughs> and it's listen, it's a fair point, a fair question in light of all the negativity that, that was out there, mainly started by Phil Mickelson, you know, who six months ago or so, you know, more or less accused the tour of sitting on a lot of money, you know, and not dis- dispersing it to the players. And, you know, in a, in a way, Phil's right. If, if all of a sudden they can come up with nearly $200 million to, to come out here right away, and, and yeah. uh, you know, but it, 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 they've got reserves. I mean, that's more or less what Monaghan said. You know, they right. saved for a rainy day. And in the tour's defense, they had to dip into those reserves t- two years ago during COVID. You know, we forget already that, you know, they played what, however many events from 2020 middle of what June all the way through the end of the year and into 2021 without spectators. And so all of their local organizers whose sole revenue comes from ticket sales, local sponsorships, what have you come, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't make any money. And so the tour had to subsidize. Well, where do you think that money came from? And, and not to mention the testing plan that they put in place. Uh, for, you know, the COVID testing they were doing from week to week. They put charters in oh, place. Oh, that's right. Sure. You know, that costs millions. So, you know, in the tour's defense, um, they they had to dig in for that. And, you know, whenever the, t- the tour loses a title sponsor, the event typically doesn't go away. They subsidize it. That's a good you point, know? too. And so, and so they... That's what their rainy day fund is for. Now, has there been too much there? Maybe. You know, it's a fair question to ask. I mean, I don't think we all know what's what's in their within and their they reserve. Won't reveal that. I mean, Jay Monahan said in the press conference that the money will be coming mostly from their investments. And so, yes, the question is why didn't they institute these changes earlier if they have all this money in reserve? There, there has to be a ton of money sitting in the bank if he can, you know, pull out what at least 180 million by next year and they certainly were not interested in relinquishing the not-for-profit status i was talking about that a little bit last week that was kind of one of the uh ideas on the table from the i don't know from the players or from whom but they're certainly not going to relinquish that status right but not well you know that's that sounded like an easy solution right but when you've been putting that kind of money in reserves while not paying taxes that makes it very complicated to then just say, okay, now we're going to pay taxes. Right. You know, because you've accumulated all that money without. And so it's not that simple 
to just flip the switch. And plus, I also think they, you know, they like the way they are set up. You know, there's, there's a, there's, there's, there's a lot of that that's done a lot of good. You know, obviously all their tournaments are set up as nonprofits. It's a different distinction than the tour itself, but still, you know, um, you know, this week's event in Atlanta, the tour championship, you know, that they're a nonprofit 501c3, which means that, um, you know, they raise money for ticket sales and hospitality and what have you. And, and they pay their expenses out of that to run the event. They have, you know, they have several employees, I'm sure. And they've got all kinds of expenses like roping and stakes and setting up bleachers and, you know, courtesy stuff, whatever, all you, all the stuff you can think, think of. And then at the end of the day, you know, they've got to pay their bills and, uh, whatever's left over goes to charity. You know, if they had to pay taxes on all that revenue, um, it, it, it would be, it would be a, a lot different story. So, you know, their, their setup is very shrewd and, uh, you know, in, in, in another thing too is let's not forget Jay also said they'd be asking for help with their partners. That means that they'll go to all their title sponsors and try to get a little bit more out of them. Right. You know, and that's, <laughs> that's probably where there's going to be a little disconnect because the ones that are on board now have, have uh, contracts in place that I'm sure stipulate exactly how much they're going to pay. So it's, it's not easy what he what he put together or what the tour put together and executing it. And now there's a bunch of questions left too. Like, you know, how is this really going to work? You know, there's been a lot of conjecture, a lot of misinformation. You know, they said the top 20 players from the PIP, people thought that that meant they were automatically going to get into these elevated events. That's not true. You know, the top 20 will have access to the top events if they qualify for them. I see. Um, right, because I was wondering that they were saying the players, the top twenty in play in the player impact program, uh, right. would be eligible, but that meant that they'd be decided by the PIP and not rankings. So that didn't make sense to me. Yeah, it, it, that's true. That's how they're going to be decided, and it's a little bit of a curious way to go about it because it's going to be harder for us to figure out who's who until until the end of the year when they tell us who, who who's in the PIP, who won it. And there's the chance that there's a couple of guys in there. You know, look, Tiger's going to be in the PIP again. He won it last year. He's going to clearly be in the top 20 again. And then that makes him eligible for all the events next year that he can get in. Like, in other words, Tiger wouldn't be able to play in the Century Tournament of Champions because he hasn't won a tournament and he's not in the top 30. So even though he's top 20 in the PIP, he wouldn't be in that. He's not going to get in the match play, for example. Right, but how many but of these he, tournaments is he actually going to play, Bob? You know, right, not and, really, and, that he, means, and that means next year, the way I understand it, he won't be eligible for the PIP. Because if you don't play in all the tournaments, you won't uh, be eligible okay. for the PIP. So let me ask you this, because we only have a few minutes left. What has the reaction been from the players during the tour championships about yeah, this? Yeah, it's a good plan? question. I mean, look, the, the, the players at the tour championship are the ones, you know, that we think probably benefit the most. 
So I, I think I think they're positive about it. I think they think it's great. Um, John Rahm pushed back a little bit because he also plays on the DP World Tour, and he wondered how he's supposed to pull that off if he's expected to play all these events on the PGA Tour. Now, the, the Tour Championship is his 18th of 2020, excuse me, 2022. So he'd have to add two to make it work. And he said that's going to be problematic for him. And then he's got to play at least four on the European Tour, DP World Tour, to keep his membership there. And now that's imminently doable for him because the Scottish Open counts as, as for both, which he played. And then he's going to play in the BMW PGA, which is their flagship event in a couple of weeks. There's a couple of events in Spain in October that he played last year. There, there would be a score right there. But he made it out like meeting the 20 is going to be tough. You know, so I don't know how, how that will shake out. You also wonder about a guy who's like, say, I don't know, down the list of ways. You know, a guy who barely qualified for the playoffs. Say, How does this impact him? You know, I, we're going to have some haves and have-not events definitely going forward. But the way I look at it is, is that creates more opportunity because, okay, just to throw out an example, a lot of these guys probably aren't going to play the Honda Classic now. You know, they're going to be playing in all these bigger events. Which is well, too Honda, bad because I love the Honda Classic. Or yeah. Even, like and the I mean, Valspar. Sure. There's a, there's a lot of tournaments that will be in this now. But, you know, we're only talking about the 20 guys that are obligated. And so the Honda will still get its share of players. It's just not necessarily going to have the top 10, the top 15. But that's opportunity for the other guys because it's still going to have a 144-player field. And now you've kind of cleared the decks a little bit. And the other guys who, aren't, who, who are in that tournament now have opportunity. They, they still earn the same number of FedEx points, basically, as the, as the other tournaments. And so they've, they've got and, – and some of them will get into these bigger events because they have fields bigger than 20. You know, the Arnold Palmer will be 120. Right. So there's still a bunch of spots there for other guys. So I think if you're sort of a, a guy who falls outside of this realm, you have to look at, look at, hey, I've still got a chance to get myself into that. I'll still have access to some of these big tournaments. And the ones I don't, I'll be a little bit more freed up at the regular events with, with maybe a bit of a weaker field, which gives me a chance to move up. Bob, always a pleasure. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but... Uh... It continues uh, and on and on and on. So much to talk about, but I really appreciate your insight. Great job, and uh, look forward to having you on again. Thanks so much for getting up for us and talking golf. No problem, man. Thank you. Have a great day. Have a great day. Enjoy the uh, resumption of the third round of the Tour Championship and the final round, which will happen late this – it will start actually late this morning. Bob Herrick, I just – 
Really appreciate Bob's work. All right, coming up, Dottie Pepper will join us, lead walking reporter for golf on CBS Sports, winner of uh, 17 titles on the LPGA Tour, including two major titles. She's an author. She's a dog lover. We can't wait to talk with Dottie Pepper. But first, let me tell you that as the brand ambassador for Ivy Cool, I can attest to the high-quality, performance-driven leisure apparel line that is perfect to wear on and off the course. Not only does the moisture sensor fabric keep me cool on the links, Ivy Cool garments also feature UPF 50-plus sun protection. All this plus a wide variety of colorful and stylish silhouettes in tops, shorts, pants, skorts, and dresses. And men can choose from many styles as well. Look your best, protect your skin. Ivy Cool, that's ibkul.com. It's Talking Golf with Ann Liguori on The Fan. Welcome back to Talking Golf. How are we doing this morning? Thanks for joining us. And it is my pleasure to say hello to the extraordinary Dottie Pepper, former LPGA Tour winner, two-time major winner, author, lead walking reporter for golf on CBS and this year's Met Golf Writers Gold Tee Award recipient. Dottie, welcome to the show. Delighted to have you on. Good morning, Anne. Hey, it was great to visit with you this past June at the Met Golf Writers National Awards Dinner. Congrats, by the way, on the Gold Tee Award. Well, and congratulations to you, too. That was a really special evening, and um, your, your family shared in your joy, and that was really, that was really cool to see. Oh, yeah, they all came up. It was so great to have everybody there. But um, I remember hearing you say that evening that when you were growing up, you always wanted to be a sports reporter. <laughs> well, I, I, I did. I, honestly, I'd, I'd be happy doing local sports. <laughs> and I, I ended up with this gig, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty blessed. <laughs> I love it. So when did golf enter the picture for you? Oh, it was early. Uh, I was introduced to the game by my my um, my paternal grandmother. Uh, oh. I was the summer that I went from being age seven to age eight, so it it was early, and I and I got hooked early too. But I didn't play just golf. I I skied all winter, so um, there was you know you had to shut it down. Growing in upstate New York, you, you couldn't you couldn't play all year long, so I had other things to do. But I was I was hooked on it pretty quickly. I love it. Of course, being well-rounded, I think, is so important as a young athlete. But um, your book, Letters to a Future Champion, My Time with Mr. Pulver, what a heartwarming book. It's really about oh. mentorship. It's about the influence Mr. Pulver had on you on and off the course. And what a lovely tribute to him and really to all mentors. I really enjoyed I, I it. Think, uh, thank you. I, I, I think that was, that was the biggest thing, was, was a way to say thank you to him to his family for still being very much uh, a large part of my life today. And also to, it's jogged other people's memories and put them back in contact with people that were important in their formative parts of their life, whether it was golf or not. And, and some of the letters that I've gotten, handwritten letters that I've gotten from people that have purchased the book and said, thank you for, for just putting me back in a space where I could better communicate with somebody who, who did mean so much in my early part of my life um, has been, that, that's been such a huge, huge bonus. And it's great. You save those letters. <laughs> well, they're not, in the, some of them are not in the best of shape now after, you know, after 40 plus years, but, but they're there um, and they're all in one place. 
Now, how did you meet Mr. Pulver? Mr. Pulver was a, a legend in, in upstate New York, a founding member of the Northeastern New York PGA section, and did everything golf, uh, from being a golf course designer to being an agronomist to building golf clubs to being a, a golf golf professional. Uh, if there was, if it was golf, uh, he was he was it, and his his contact back to the game as a youngster came from being a caddy, a caddying for 25 to 50 cents per round. Um, but he did a lot of his um, apprentice work under Seymour Dunn up in Lake Placid. So he goes back to the beginnings of golf in, in this area. Right, right. Just a legend up there. And I, I read that 10% of the proceeds of all the books will go to Saratoga War Horse Mission to improve the physical, mental, and emotional health of veterans with post-traumatic stress. So, yeah, it, it was uh, important. Really great he, was a, he was a World War One veteran, um, and it was important to have, have a partner uh, as, as a charitable component that had some sort of a link to, to his early part of his life. Sure. Well, I want to get your opinion on uh, several top golf stories, but first we have to pay tribute to the great Joanne Carter, who shot her age, 83. She shot 83 Thursday and Friday at the U.S. Senior Women's Open in Kettering, Ohio, and she played in her last USGA championship. Unbelievable, yeah. Joanne Carter. Pretty, pretty special. Um, I, th- I had a contact with, with Joanne yesterday because Brandy Burton, who was a better a phenomenal Fulham Cup partner and teammate and dear friend. Um, she had lunch with Joanne yesterday and showed Joanne the picture that I put up on social media from the Oval Office when the 94 team oh, went to, to meet President Clinton. And Joanne said, where the heck did you get that? I don't even have that photo. So now <laughs> Joanne has it. I took it out of my Dropbox and I sent it to Joanne. So good things That's do awesome. come up from social media. And I, I read where her older sister, Helen, who's 91, mm-hmm. also plays golf, but she didn't take up the game until she was 70. <laughs> How about that? Just, yeah, never say never. Unbelievable. Well, let's switch to PJ Tour versus Live Golf. And, you know, this battle between these two entities is is such a shame on many levels, one being that it takes away from talking about so many other things in golf we should be focusing on. But I want to get your thoughts on what's been transpiring all season i know you wrote an essay recently expressing your opinion in quotes let me just read from that for a second here it says you said the result so far a deep divide between those loyal to what we know golf to be since its beginnings a game of honor of merit of respect for those who came before us and those who have taken the easy way out with upfront money to play exhibition golf that has no soul None of that makes golf a better place. Instead, it reduces it to other sports that spend time in courtrooms trying to gain advantage through means other than winning on the field of play, end quote. It's just, uh, don't you think it's just sad that the sides have been drawn and it is a deep divide and, and it, the animosity, mm-hmm. it, just, it just seems to be getting uglier and uglier. It, it does. Um, and it, it, I find it a little bit hard to believe that you actually have to have some sort of competence with legal terms in order to talk about golf today. Uh, you know, yesterday, two more players drop out in the, in the case against the PGA Tour, but Live Golf as an entity jumps in. It's crazy. And I, I just thought golf was above a lot of this. But maybe I, maybe I have rose-colored glasses on. Uh, where it, It's not. And, and it's, 
And but I do think the positives coming out of it are that the players, PGA Tour players, are now taking a lot more. I don't know. Ownership is the right word, but they're taking a, a more accountable approach to their tour. It's their tour. Yes, there's a commissioner, and yes, there's a board, and there's uh, a player advisory council. But it is the players' tour, and and I think it's going to be a great thing that they do take um, a, a, a bigger, more active role in, in their tour. And do you think, Dottie, that the PJ Tour is doing enough to keep these top stars? I mean, you can't really compete against the Saudi-funded Live Golf Tour as far as money goes. But it, you right. know, I was just talking to Bob Herrig, and we were he was doing the math, and they're proposing upwards of $180 million more put mm-hmm. into uh, the tour for the players for next year already. That's a lot of money to come up with by 2023. Right. No, it, it is. Um, it's, that's a lot of zeros and zeros that weren't, you never really um, equate to golf. But the baseline has been shifted. And whether you think it's good or bad, it, it, the market shifted. Um, what I, what I, my struggle is that this player impact program, as it stands now, and there are a lot of questions yet to be answered, but I don't, I don't love the fact that the PIP could influence fields in big events and then influence how you get into major championships. I, I think this has gotten very muddy um, and it erodes the meritocracy that, that we all have um, placed on the, uh, on golf itself, that when you play well, you, you reap the rewards. And I think we got a, a lot of, a lot of concepts fighting with each other right now that are going to take some time to, to wiggle their way out. Yeah, I mean, it's all about popularity, the player impact program. So are the top 20 players who get into these elevated events going to be all based on popularity? Yeah, exactly. Social media? (laughs) That doesn't make sense to me. They took social media out of the equation, but Google searches, I mean, that's how I – I don't understand. So are you going to hire a bot to keep your Google search going? (laughs) <laughs> so, so that you, you know you get into these events, I, I, I just think that that erodes the meritocracy that we have that golf has been respected for for so long. Well, to me, when you c- kind of boil it down to its simplest, I guess philosophy, it, it's always been about character versus greed. What's more important, playing in events that matter, you know, to to one to continue one's own legacy, or mm-hmm. do you just take the over-the-top money, and you turn your back on the tour that made you rich and famous in the first place. I mean, that's, to me, bottom line. I, I know it's a simple way to look at it, but uh, it's always been about character. And, you know, look, I know the PGA Tour has its flaws. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, to turn your back on the tour that made these guys rich and famous to just jump to this other tour because the money's unbelievable, it just doesn't... Make, it doesn't sit well with me, but I, I guess if you ask, if, if nine out of ten guys would probably take the money, I mean, if they had the opportunity to, so it's unfortunate. Well, it, it, again, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a personal, that could come to, what, what, where are your personal, um, where are your values? That's, and I, I can't put my values on someone else. But I can tell you 
um, what I've seen successful people do and people that are happy in their hearts um, aren't, aren't necessarily the ones that have the fattest pocketbook. That's right. Money doesn't buy happiness or legacy. Well, you also pointed out in your essay that it would be an enormous mistake for the LPGA to agree to meeting with a group that, as you say, places so little human value on women. What yeah. are your thoughts about that? Um, it's even even more so. And I think the decision this week for the PGA Tour to have that um, basically signing bonus for players who keep their cards that can be used for expenses, etc., uh, really puts the LPGA in a tough position because the money's not there to do that um, or even or do it equally. Money's just not there. Uh, I think that that creates another another divide that's going to have to be addressed. But I, I just I firmly believe in the foundation that the LPGA has built over 70 plus years those 13 women who did everything for themselves and passed along that hard work ethic and bleeding with this this product and the companies that have been so loyal to the LPGA and and how it has it has grown and things like the Solheim Cup that have come out of it um it, it just it would I think it would destroy the organization if if you were to align with people who look at women in that way. Agreed. Yeah, it's gosh, ugly conversations, right? Ugly topics. Let's let's kind of shift yeah. gears. I want to talk about Dottie Pepper. So, what has been the biggest adjustment for you going from playing the game to talking about the game? In, in some ways, Anna, it hasn't, hasn't changed at all because early on, one of my first producers, Tommy Roy, said to me, who's at NBC, you know, do the tour championship this afternoon, this morning and this afternoon, actually, with yesterday's delay. Um, I want you to talk about, talk to the viewer, talk to us, tell us the way you saw golf as a player. So it really hasn't changed. I, I, I do yardages and I look at cover numbers and, and, how much room is beyond a hole or whatever, as I did as a player. And, and I try to just talk about it that way with a little bit of um, history and homework about the players I might happen to be talking about. So I talk about it as a player. So that, no, it hasn't really changed that much. I don't, I, I don't, um, I don't get to make my schedule. <laughs> so I go where CBS golf goes. So I don't, I don't get to you know, pick as I did as a player and be able to be ready for the majors and, and you know, try to work your, work your way through an annual schedule. Um, but it's the best schedule in golf. It's phenomenal. You are so good at it. So it, it, it does come natural, right? You just, but you, if you had to work at anything, what would you say you had to work at to, to you know, become uh, the on-course reporter? I think you have to um, almost t- think in quick bites. Run them through a filter and get them out, get those important things out in as few words as possible. That was great advice that I had from Judy Rankin from day one. And it's something I hear in the back of my head every day. Say as much as you can in as few words as possible. And that's so challenging because you don't have much time. You have to really be succinct yet get your point across. Yeah, your your brain needs to be quick. And and Anna, if if I get off the air... 
and my brain's not tired, I haven't done a very good job that day. Give us the strangest thing that's happened to you on the golf course while you've been working as a TV commentator. Oh, I was chased by a bear. Oh, that's uh, right. At the U.S. Senior Open in 2008 at, at, the, at the Broadmoor, <laughs> and it was legit. <laughs> Uh, we had known wow. that there was a bear on the golf course and the comms in between and commercials were, you know, oh, the bear is over here or he's gone more up the hill or whatever. And, and I thought I knew where the bear was. And I can tell you they're really fast because he covered a lot of ground and not very much time. So what did you do? <laughs> well, they told, they told you, and, I, and I, in the, the panic of the moment, I couldn't remember if they told us to just stand still or to run. So I did both. I stood still for a while and then I ran. <laughs> but one of the funniest things was Roger Maltby was, um, you know, he's so quick, so wit. And he's just, he was a very, he is a very, very good pal. In the next commercial break, so I had a red shirt on and a pair of white trousers. And he said, boy, kid, it was a bad day to wear white, wasn't it? <laughs> I just Oh, that's scary. Oh, my God. If I ever scary. saw a bear, I don't know what huge. I would have done. Oh, he was my God. He was huge. <laughs> well, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Um, continued success. I just Thank so you. admire your Thank work. You. And give your dog, Rupert, our love, will you? <laughs> I will. He's waiting for his walk. Ah, <laughs> oh, Dottie Pepper, thanks so much. My thanks Thank to you. Dottie, to Bob Herrig, to Brian Roscona in the studio. Enjoy the final round of the Tour Championship, the FedEx Cup finale. Round three actually resumes at 9.45 this morning. Scotty Scheffler with a one-shot lead over Xander Shoffley through 12 holes of the third round. Talking Golf with Anne Ligoria is brought to you by Ivy Cool Luxury Athleisure Apparel for men and women, featuring the exclusive Iceville cooling technology along with SPF 50 plus sun protection. Visit IBKOL.com to learn more. Stay tuned for Rick Wolf and the Sports Edge. And I look forward to talking with you next Sunday morning right here on Talking Golf with Anne McGorry.